Before we jump into today's episode, we want to talk to you about Internet Church. Rich, what is Internet Church? Oh, it's only the best internet gathering this side of the Kailua River. Is the Kailua River a thing? Maybe we should start over. <laughs> let's let's do it again. Ask me again. <laughs> no, let's leave it in. Now no, no, let's talk about Internet Church. Uh, internet Church. Actually, it's a thing we do every other Friday night where we all gather together, uh, encourage the saints in truth. It's uplifting. It's edifying. It's just a time to gather for about an hour on a Friday night or day, depending what part of the world you're in, just to be encouraged by the saints. You you think you would like something like that? Is the Pope Catholic? Uh, you bet your sweet bippy the Pope is Catholic. And uh, Justin, Internet Church is all about gospel freedom. It's good. I'm trying to think of the follow-up question. <laughs> oh, I'm like, man, this thing is lagging. Uh, all right. If No. Absolutely love it. So if you were going to... No. What are we going for? Are we trying to be funny or are we trying to be serious? I don't know. I I mean, whatever. I, we're trying to let people know that... Oh, <laughs> I'm not as gifted as you are in this department, my friend. So join us every other Friday night, 8 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern. If you are international and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the Internet Church Circle to your calendar. It's that the very message in itself is ridiculous. Oh my God, yo, that is so true. Because it's like, hey, Jesus is Lord to the Romans, right? And it's they're like, like uh, who is this Jesus? You mean that one? Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing with the book. 10 minutes at a time. On today's 10 minutes, we're talking through Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. Have you read it? I read it. Did Especially this one. You all got to read this. It's going to take you like 30 seconds. Like, pause, go read it. You know what? In break of tradition, should we just read it? Read it. Read it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's go. Let's do it. 10 minutes starting now. So this is a really great passage. This is one that we've heard a lot. This is one of those memory verses that you're supposed to know if you're a good Christian person, like it's the power of God, it's the righteousness of God, right? Um, and there's a really key phrase that I want to get to in a bit. But first, but first, let me talk a little Brene Brown. I don't know if you know Brene <laughs> oh, Brown, but this woman is my crush, right? Mostly because of just a brilliant mind and what she's actually uncovered about shame. Okay. And she says that shame, if I remember correctly, she has a TED Talk, go watch it. She says that shame is the fear of being disconnected because you're not enough. Mm. And Paul says, I have no shame. If I use her definition, which okay. I like, that then Paul has no fear of ever being disconnected because he never considers himself less than enough. Hmm. But that's not through flesh. Mm -hmm. That's because of the obedience through spirit. He knows that he is tethered to the promise of God, and he is exactly what God says he is. So he's not afraid of declaring this good news because he has no shame of ever being disconnected. He's—I'm— he's, 
This thing is settled. I am in. There, there's no fear of disconnection because he's connected. Yeah, man, he's in. It's funny. As, as I was doing research on this text, Paul actually had a number of reasons to be ashamed. The kind of the kind of shame that that we would at least resonate with. Here's a here's an early church description of Paul. Give it to me. Short. Nobody wants to date you. Bald. Crooked legs. Not happening. Hooked nose. And I love this. This is a direct quote from a historian. Eyebrows meeting in the middle. Ooh. <laughs> so my man was unibrow, short. I mean, listen, Anthony Davis got a unibrow, and he's worth like 150 mil. Hey, if it works, so many, so many times, I don't know for me, when it comes to moments of sharing the gospel mm-hmm. or just any time just living it out, right? Mm-hmm. Shame comes from, I'm so afraid of what they're going to think about me. And what, yeah, what am I going to look like? Yeah. Like, what are they going to be think? one of those weirdos. So I'm, I'm afraid. That happened this morning at coffee. You want to tell them the story? You can go for it. I don't know the shame part of it. So. Well, n- not many people would be willing to do what you did. We walk into the coffee shop today, and as you know, we're, we're walking in, and, and this lady comes in right behind us, uh-huh. and she's got this jacket on yeah. that says Super Bowl something, and you're just like... 2006. 2006. Yeah. You're like, oh, Super Bowl 2006. It was blah, 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 blah. And yeah. like, you just engaged with someone right yeah. away that you've never met before. Yeah. That's not normal, bro. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, Fair just enough. that's just weird. Like, <laughs> like, most people don't do that. I mean, it's like keep your head down, keep your mouth shut. It's like you know. I mean, just li- literally yesterday, you were telling me the story about the guy next to you on the airplane right here. Yeah. And you're like, who is this freak? Why is he trying to talk to me when I got my headphones in? And he's clear- I, he's like transgressing some social boundary. To be boundary. sure, I did not call him a freak. I just felt that it was an inappropriate transgression of social boundary. Yeah, correct. Freak is my word. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. But my point is, is that you're that guy. In that moment, you're that guy. You're that weirdo, you know, with no care of shame in that moment. Yeah. Well, okay. T- yeah. And to be honest, is what we talked about in the previous 10 minutes, that there is this thing about spirit. And I firmly believe that I have been rooted in the kingdom of light and there's no longer shame of being seen as less than, or at least this is where my confidence is. Sometimes, you know, it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but still, this is where the obedience of faith comes that no matter what I end up looking like, what you think I look like is of little consequence to me because I don't even look at myself this way. This is what Paul says. Like, yeah. How you judge me is of no consequence to Who me. Who cares so, if I'm short, bald, crooked legs, hooked nose, and my eyebrows meet in the middle? And I mean, I have cared about that. I mean, my mother cared about that so much that she prayed that I wouldn't end up as short as my father, who's 5'4". <laughs> oh, yeah, shoot. And I'm 6'1". Right, six. Sometimes I try to say six two, but yeah. six one. Okay. And so, yeah, we're really concerned with that. But Paul is saying, I have no shame. And coincidentally, not only did apparently he look funny, but he's also at least related to a heinous, heinous crime of murder. Yeah. Right. Where he co-signed Stephen's murder. Yeah. Huh. So he well, has something even, else. Even beyond that, what, what would cause greater shame? This is where we're getting to the real actual shame. I mean, it's not really his appearance. It's that the very message in itself is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Yo, yo that is so true because it's like, hey, Jesus is Lord to the Romans, right? It's and like, they're like, uh, who is this Jesus? You mean that one? It's the one that you put on a cross. Yeah. But I, he's Lord. Yeah. That's so true. 
the, the shame there is actually so much more real. And when he, and specifically when he's talking about this this gospel thing, and yeah. he defines the gospel later on in in First Corinthians fifty. Actually, it's not really later. It's actually one of the earliest books yeah, written. True, but, true. but the gospel is this idea of Jesus' virgin birth, his criminal death, his bodily resurrection, his ascension, and soon return. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying that that Jewish man who was crucified by the Roman imperial power, who was dead, dead, has actually resurrected to life, which is foolishness to Greco-Roman culture. He's resurrected to life. Not only that, but he sits at the right hand of God because he flew through the heavens (laughs) after initially being born uh, of a virgin. Yeah. But he is the son of God. And to be sure. The way you're looking at me right now does nothing to shame me because I'm so confident that I've been delivered from who I used to be. Hence, why if I see you with a Super Bowl jacket from 2006, let's talk and let me tell you that God loves you. Yeah. You're willing to risk that weirdness because the message is that potent? Yeah, because I used to be a slave to something. And, and to be fair, when we're that previous slave, that slave to the other thing, yeah. you end up looking a lot more stupid in life, oh, man. doing some real dumb things. That's so true. That's so true. So <laughs> now that move, like, there's no shame. And I mean, listen, I can already tell we're going to need another 10 minutes. Oh, but let's man. keep going. There's All no right. shame. In, there's no shame there's in no needing shame. another 10 minutes. So we're going to just take another 10 minutes after this. Yeah. Because there's going. this thing that's, like, super important that we want to get to. And it's really the thing that, that, that matters most. Yeah. Out of all this. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take our time to get there. Power of God for salvation. I love that word. Oh, I just, see, you see that what happened yeah, right there? come back up. So power of God, <laughs> this idea of power is his ability to accomplish, mm-hmm. right? A lot of times, well, there's other variations, but it's his ability to accomplish that which he said he would do, mm-hmm. which is salvation. Now, if I could just pause. And do a little bit of the teaching here. That salvation, the word there is this description of being healed, delivered, protected, restored, kept safe and sound. So that if you go back to the beginning in Romans 1, that this lutron, this redemption of being moved from the enemy's camp or in under the auction of a slave master to now being bought or redeemed by this new master that he now gets orders from, he knows that because this master is who he is, he is healed, delivered, protected, restored, kept safe and sound, and he will never be moved from being completely devoted as a slave to this new master because this new master has redeemed him and delivered him from shame. Mm. That's good. Mm. Mm. So the ability to accomplish that is the gospel. So what do we do in life when it doesn't seem like that power is present? Mm. What what do we do in life when I feel more powerless mm. than filled with power? Oh, the irony there, right? Because it's power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Mm. I mean, I try to believe. Mm-hmm. I try I try to to put my faith in God and then and then sometimes that experience of salvation, that dunamis mm-hmm. we've heard about preached before at church. Mm-hmm. It seems so disconnected. Mm -hmm. You know, and this is where, again, this obedience of faith comes in, right? This is why this is such a powerful key idea that the circumstances of life can never speak louder than the truth. So that then there might be a situation where you feel that shame is the response. Say, for instance, if you're naked in front of an audience. I don't know if you've ever suffered that, but if you're naked in front of an audience. Thankfully, no. (laughs) And not only are you naked in front of an audience, but you're naked to the tune of having claimed 
that mm. you can do and are something that in the present circumstance you're not. Yeah, it's that, it's that imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. That's a key mover of shame, right? If mm-hmm. anybody ever felt like an imposter or could have felt like an imposter, it would have been the one who claimed to be the son of God. And Ends up he on was the cross. Naked and ashamed. Could have been ashamed. Could have been. But he chose to believe that despite the present circumstances, that the word of God, the truth that was spoken about him was louder Hmm. than what he he was experiencing right then and there. Mm -hmm. And I think that has to be the word for us to some degree that, listen, the obedience of faith doesn't come from what you can do in body, even if you feel something. I like this phrase that feelings aren't Lord. There is a place for confidence and to believe beyond the shame. Well, well, this is this is literally, I think, the, the, the crux of what the scriptures is saying when it talks about living by faith. Mm-hmm. By definition, that's the opposite of living by your feelings. Mm-hmm. It's by living by the word of God, man. It's by faith. Mm. I, mm. Yeah. 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 Well, there you go. We tried to cram this whole thing into 10 minutes. It's all right. We got another 10. We weren't able to do it, but we'll see you guys tomorrow. We got another 10. Where we get to talk about the righteousness of God.